Hi, welcome to the Dartarian Show. I'm Alexander Dartarian. And I'm Dominic Sykes. And today we're going to do Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden, the axe murderess herself. Oh, well, maybe. And the possible gonna... axe murderess. Yeah, the alleged The alleged. So, Lizzie Andrew Borden was born in Fall River, Massachusetts on July 19th, 1860 to Sarah Anthony Borden and Andrew Jackson Borden. Lizzie grew up in a very modest very modest surroundings not even having indoor plumbing which was standard at the time damn yeah so she didn't even literally have a bathroom yeah the only bathroom was in the cellar gross so despite her father being one of the wealthiest men in america at the time with a net worth of three hundred thousand dollars which in today's money is would be around nine to ten million dollars yeah so they had the money. Why? He was sense. a very frugal man. Oh, Jesus. Lizzie, with her sister Emma Lenora Borden, were brought up to be fairly religious, often attending Central Congregational Church, hmm. for where she taught Sunday school. She was also involved with in several other projects, such as Christian Endeavor Society, Women's Christian Temperance Union, Union and Ladies Fruit and Flower Mission. This was Lizzie that was involved Lizzie, in all yep. this? All Lizzie was involved with. She, uh, she was a good Christian woman. Christian basically. lady. Yeah. Victorian modern uh, Christian lady. Yep. Lizzie's mother died in 1863 of uterine congestion and spinal disease, leaving Andrew, Lizzie, and Emma alone. Lovely. Yep. That already sounds like it's not going to be a good thing. Yeah. They weren't alone for long, though. Hmm. Three years after Sarah's death, Andrew married Abby DeFree Gray. Lizzie called Abby mother until Lizzie came under the impression that Abby married Andrew for his wealth. Mm. She then stated, started calling her Mrs. Borden. Mm. Andrew bought Abby's sister a house, which upset Lizzie and Emma, who then demanded their father buy them a house. Andrew bought them, uh, them a small rental but made the two sisters buy the house from them for a dollar. What? He bought them a house. Um, but still made them pay for it, yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I'll buy your house, but you got to pay me a dollar. Well, I mean, that's not that... Uh, yeah, but it's still... It's, yeah, but it's kind of shitty. His Abby yeah, sister it's... didn't have to pay him anything. Yeah, that's he just true. bought it. Yeah. Another instance of Lizzie's belief that Abby married her father for his wealth was a second maid they had hired. Bridget Sullivan, an Irish immigrant. She was a 25-year-old maid Abby hired to keep the house clean, which Lizzie saw as Abby being lazy. Hmm. Abby also called Bridget Maggie and refused to address her by anything else because the maid they had before was named Maggie, and she didn't <laughs> want to learn a new name. That's messed up. Yeah, that is. This lady sounds like a real piece of work. According to rumors, Abby called Lizzie an equivalent to a modern-day whore because she accompanied, accompanied a doctor to church one Sunday without an escort, hmm. which was apparently was a big no-no at the time. Yeah, like, you could not court someone without an escort, yeah. even though Lizzie at this time was 30-some years old. Right. So, so she, got, she was going on non-escorted dates. Yeah, and which they could have just been friends. Yeah. Just the doctor taking her to the freaking, but that doctor's going to come into play Mm. here later on in the story. Uh, By 1892, things in the Borden house were becoming very heated as Lizzie and Emma moved back in to their father's house after selling their house to him 
for five thousand dollars. We why why? I don't know. He just they, he just they just can't move back in and sold them sold it to them for five thousand dollars, huh. which would be one hundred fifty six thousand dollars today. Yeah, so they made money off of it. Yeah, so which is good, I guess. Uh, which will come in. I also remember, remember this mm-hmm. because later on in the trial, we'll talk about that again. Okay. Lizzie was caring for her roost of pigeons in the family barn. When her father discovered this, he took a hatchet and killed them, calling them pests. Wow. Being upset at this protest. Foreshadowing. (laughs) Yeah. Lizzie (laughs) protested this, and Abby made it worse by cooking the pigeons, serving them for dinner, and calling Lizzie a spoiled brat for not eating. What? So not only did he kill them, but they cooked them. Yeah. And, and and got mad at her because she didn't want to eat it. But that was rumor. It was never proven. Okay. So they we don't know if that really happened or not. Yeah. But that is conjecture, basically. It's rumor. Right. This and several other arguments caused the scissors to take an extended holiday in New Bedford. After returning home in the last week of July, Lizzie decided to stay at a boarding house for a few days before returning home. So it sounds like her and her sister are pretty close. Um, I guess. I mean, they go everywhere together. They've moved out together. They went on this vacation together. Yeah, uh, it's closest. They're, yeah. they, they're basically what you would call spinsters. Yeah. Um, unmarried women yeah. back then yeah, that yeah. just didn't. They're, uh, at L- L- um, Emma was older than Lizzie, so. Yeah. Um, Abby had, uh, upon returning home, Abby cooked mutton for Lizzie and Emma's uncle, John Morse, the brother of Sarah, uh, the Lizzie and Emma's late mother. Mm. The family became violently sick from the meal and Abby suspected that they had been poisoned since Andrew was an unpopular person. Although the mutton had been left out on the stove for a few days, which would have led to poisoning for sure. Yeah. On August 3rd. 19 or 1892 Emma left for a friend's house out of town John and Andrew had heated had a heated argument about the property before going to bed in the guest room that evening Mm. which is also speculative they don't know Mm. the family had an early dinner of some say swordfish others say mutton stew and became violently ill taking turns throwing up in the backyard Lizzie was not as ill as the others, which may come back to haunt her later, as you will see. I see. The murders. Mm. John Morris arrived in the evening of August 3rd and slept in the guest room that night. After breakfast the next morning, at which Andrew, Abby, Lizzie, Morse, and the Borden's maid, Bridget, a.k.a. Maggie, were present. Andrew and Morse went to the sitting room, where they chatted for nearly an hour. Morse left around 8.48 a.m. to buy a pair of oxen and visit his niece in Fall River, Hmm. planning to return to the boarding house for lunch at noon. Andrew left for his morning walk sometime after 9 a.m. Although the cleaning of the guest room was one of Lizzie and Emma's regular chores, Abby went upstairs sometime between 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. to make the bed. According to the forensic investigation, Abby was facing her killer at the time of the attack, mm. which is also speculated. They, they don't know if that was true at all. Mm. Uh, she was first struck on the side of the head with a hatchet, which cut her just above the ear, causing her to turn and face down on the floor, 
creating contusions on her nose and forehead. Mm. Her killer then struck her multiple times, delivering 17 more direct blows to the back of her head, wow. killing her. So she got 18 whacks, basically, yeah. with an axe. When Andrew returned home at around 10.30 a.m., his key failed to open the door, so he knocked. Mm. Solomon went to unlock the door, finding it jammed. She uttered a curse. She would later testify that she heard Lizzie laughing immediately after this. She did not see Lizzie, but stated that the laughter was coming from the top of the stairs. This, her statement changes, so don't, this was considered significant as Abby was already dead by this time. Excuse me, sorry. Her, and her body would have been visible to anyone on the home's second floor, which is also speculated. Lizzie later denied being upstairs and testified that her father had asked her where Abby was, to which she replied that a messenger had delivered Abby a summons to visit a sick friend. Now, there are multiple stories going on here. Mm -hmm. There's Bridget, the maid. Right. Lizzie. Yeah. And obviously her father can't talk. Right. Because he's gonna, later you're going to find out he's got killed. Yeah. So Lizzie said that she wasn't upstairs. Right. But Maggie remembers, or Bridget, remembers seeing her uh -huh. devoid of blood. Right. And her hair is pristine and everything. She did not have any blood on her yeah. at this time. Which would have been really hard to do, I think, if, yeah, if she you hit had just killed or hit somebody seven or 18 times. And, again, Andrew had went upstairs to change. Mm -hmm. Did not see his wife. Which is, yeah, that's weird. And, and this no house, blood or anything? Is yeah. any blood or nothing? Nope. This house is set up in a way to where it doesn't have any hallways. Right. So you have to walk through room to room to room. Right. So he would have had to walk through the guest room uh -huh. to his room. Yeah. Did not see her. That's weird. So. Where did she go? No, she was still there. Basically what it is, the killer killed her and then pushed her underneath the bed. Right. A little bit. But to where you could just see her feet. Yeah. I don't know. Like, if you're not looking for a body, I guess yeah. If he wasn't paying attention, but yeah. You still think you'd see the blood or something like that. If you're not, if you, if yeah. you you've know. walked through that room a thousand times, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, so he didn't see he didn't see his wife. No, and so Lizzie stated then she had removed Andrew's boots and helped him into his slippers before he lay down on the sofa for his nap. Again, this was after multiple. Uh, talks with the police mm -hmm. and we're going to find out why this may have slipped her mind later on mm. uh the crime scene photos indicated that andrew was still wearing his boots so that right there is a lie i guess mm. then she informed sullivan of a department store sale and offered her permission to attend but sullivan felt unwell and went to take a nap in her bedroom instead which again is one story Sullivan testified, testified that she was in her third floor room resting from cleaning windows when just about 11, before 11.10 a.m., she heard Lizzie call from downstairs, Maggie, come quick, father's dead, someone came in and killed him, end mm -hmm. quote. Andrew was slumped on the couch in the downstairs sitting room, struck 10 to 11 times with a hatchet-like weapon. Actually, and both it, of these, actually, it was 14. Both of these people... Andrew and, and his wife Abby were killed while there were other people in the house. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like it was uh Well during during Abby's murder, Maggie was cleaning windows. Right. Which is gonna come into play again. Okay. 
Probably uh, should wait and see how the case uh, unfolds before I make any more observations. But just well, you're noticing fine, no. small things at the moment yeah. that are kind of weird. Uh, there's different uh, renditions of this. Some say they got hit 10 or 11 times, but I think the real number was around 14. Right. I think, well, yeah. yeah. So he got 14 and Abby got 18. Yeah. Um, he, uh, one of his eyes had been split cleanly in two, suggesting that he had been asleep when attacked. Mm. He is, he was still bleeding and that suggested a very, uh, recent attack. Yeah. Dr. Bowen, the same doctor who, uh, uh was dating, was, uh, well, supposedly dating, yeah. uh, Lizzie, Lizzie. Yeah. The family's physician arrived from home across the street and pronounced both victims dead. Detectives estimated that Andrew's death had occurred at approximately 11 a.m. Huh. Again, notice this timeline. 11 mm-hmm. was when he was killed. Yeah. 11.10. Approximately 11.10, yeah, they say, yeah. Was when Lizzie said someone's killed him. Yeah. When Bridget saw her, she had no blood on her. Right. When the doctor came over, no blood. When the cops got there, no blood. Right. So... They have to spill. Well, one of the rumors is that she killed them in the nude, but it's very hard to put those dresses that they had on back then. Right. It took time. You could not do it in ten minutes. Mm. And she would have had to shower. Yeah. Or bathe herself. The, I was gonna say because blood, blood would have gotten on her. Yeah, there was no blood on her. That's. But there's no blood on anybody else in the house either, though. Is there except the bodies? Yeah. So then, who? Somebody in that house had to have killed her. I think. Uh, maybe there's something that comes into play a little bit later, but you know, if it was anybody in the house, you think that they would have blood on them. And during this day that happened, um, there was a annual police day, basically where the majority of the police were at an amusement park. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and it is to say that this also happened on a very, very busy street. This is on Main Street oh, in wow. Fall River. And at time at the time, Fall River was the third biggest city in Massachusetts. Wow. So it was very, very it was a fur there. It was yeah. like everybody was walking by and stuff. Someone like would have noticed yeah, something. something weird. Um, also two people being in the house and no one heard the noise. I yeah, mean, Lizzie and the maid. Yeah. So, let's get into the investigation. Yep. Lizzie Borden's initial answers to the police officer's questions were at times strange and contradictory. Initially, she reported hearing a groan or a scraping noise or a distress call before entering the house. Two Which hours... would have been when her... It was either mother or father murdered, right? was killed, yeah. Or her stepmother or father was killed. Um... Two hours later, she told the police she had heard nothing and entered the house, not realizing that anything was wrong. When yeah, that's conflicting. Story. When that's asked kinda... where her stepmother was, she recounted Abby receiving a note asking her to visit a sick friend, which yeah. she told uh, Maggie and right. her father. Right. Uh, she also stated that she thought Abby had returned, and she asked if someone could go upstairs and look for her. Sullivan and a neighbor, Mrs. Churchill were halfway up the stairs, their eye levels with the floor, when they looked into the guest room and saw Abby laying face down on the floor. Most of the officers who interviewed Borden reported that they disliked her attitude. Some said she was too calm and poised, huh. although she was drugged by her doctor with morphine to keep her calm. Mm-hmm. There was enough morphine in her to like literally yeah, like, that would dull that. everything, yeah. and he also gave her caffeine to keep her awake so the cops could question her. 
Wow. So, yeah, I could understand why she was mellow. Not to mention the fact that she didn't really uh, like her stepmom to begin with. Well, that and it doesn't matter. You don't know how you would react. People yeah. react to a trauma like that differently. Mm. And that's why I don't get when crime shows are like, oh, well, they didn't act this way. Or yeah, they like weren't that. distressed enough yeah, or something like, like that. They could be in shock. Yeah, she literally could be in shock. She just walked in her father cleaved in half almost. Yeah. So police found a torn up note and were in the middle of assembling the note. When the same doctor grabbed the papers and told the police that it wasn't important and threw the scraps in the fire. What? Which could have been the note that Abby was received. Which would have been proof that proof Lizzie that was, was telling the, the truth. truth. Yeah. But he threw it away. Uh-huh. In the fire. Which is odd. Yeah, that is weird. Again, and he's also how, a doctor. No one would question how, if he was so covered in blood. The doctor, maybe? I don't know. But when would he have done that? Don't know. Like I said, it's it's I, I'm and giving why? alternate theories yeah, at that, the same time. Yeah, that's definitely cool to hear all the theories. It's just I I don't I don't see and the we'll, doctor we'll angle of it. Deep dive into theories. Yeah. So in the basement, police found two hatchets, two axes, and a hatchet head, which had been a broken handle. Uh, the hatchet head was suspected of being the murder weapon, as there was a break in the handle appeared fresh, and the ash and dust ash and dust on the head, unlike that of the other bladed weapons appeared it would have been deliberately applied mm. so they think that they that might have uh to so make it look like it's cleaned it, it off been and, the ba- yeah it was basically it was, to make sure it's old and yeah to dusty. make it look like old yeah um however none of the tools were removed from the house because of the mysterious illness that had stricken the household before the murders the family's milk and andrews and abby's <laughs> stomachs were removed with autopsies performed in the borden dining room mm were tested for poison. None of this, none of was found. So there was no yeah, poison in milk, no poison sick, in their yeah, body. Yeah. So it was just food poisoning. Yeah. Uh, which is understandable because, ugh. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Uh, residents suspected Lizzie of purchasing hydrocyanic uh, acid in a diluted form from a local drugstore. But no evidence was found of this, and it yeah. came out months after the investigation was in the heights of the paper. Right, people so, will talk, and yeah, and so he and... just wanted to be a part of the story, the drug yeah. story guy. Yeah, he was like, "I want to be a part of the story." Yeah, I sold Lizzie some. Uh, well, he didn't acid. sell it. He she inquired about it. Uh, he said oh, that he inquired okay. about it, and he's like, "No, Lizzie, you need to like that." But the sheriff's wife did the same thing to see if he would sell it to her. Around the same time, he said that Lizzie came in. So he may have mistaken. Why did the sheriff's wife want it? Just because basically a like sting operation. Oh, okay. Yeah, if he would have sold it, he would have been So trouble. he just used that interaction and said it was Lizzie. And was yeah, like, he may have just mistaken the, mistake, mistaken the two and just solved the Lizzie thing. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to be a star of the story. Yeah. Uh, Lizzie and Emma's friend, Alice Russell, decided to stay the, the night with them uh, following the murders. While Morse spent the night in the attic guest room, contrary to later accounts that he slept in the murder site guest room. Mm -hmm. Police were stationed around the house on the night of August 4th, during which an officer said that he had been seen, that he had seen Borden enter the cellar with Russell, carrying a kerosene lamp and a slot pail. He stated he saw both women exit the cellar, after which Borden returned alone, though he was unable to see what she was doing. He stated it appeared she was bent over in, in the sink. It is important to 
to the case to say that Lizzie was menstruating at the time. Mm. And the cellar had the only running water for the whole house, and it also had the only working toilet. The slop pail was found with bloody menstrual rags in it later. Mm-hmm. So she That's went down she there doing, to yeah. change her bed, yeah. basically. Um, that and the officer was kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> On August 5th, Morse left the house and was mobbed by hundreds of people. Police had to escort him back to the house on August 6th. Police conducted more uh, more thorough search of the house because they were came back from the amusement park, mm-hmm. inspecting the sister's clothing and confiscating the broken-handled ha- hatchet head. That evening, a police officer and the mayor visited the Bordens, and Lizzie was informed that she was a suspect in the murders. Mm. The next morning, Russell entered the kitchen to find Borden tearing up a dress. She explained that she was planning to put it on the fire because it was covered in green paint, hmm. which it was covered in green paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of coincidences that make it seem like she's yeah, she didn't up help to herself. Something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she needed the hook for another dress, which was common practice for at the time. Right. Basically, you would burn the dress to get the hook. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, Lizzie, who was expected to wear grieving attire for an entire year, yeah. would have needed to buy a new dress. So th- this did make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the police thinking that they found the, their culprit, the investigation was over. So they thought that they had found Lizzie. Yeah, like Lizzie, Lizzie was did it. We're no matter. Gonna close this off now. Yeah. So leading up to the murders, Lizzie and Abby did not get along. No, there was a lot of rumors of infighting. Um, there was also rumors. A lot of rumors came out from this investigation. It was huge at the time. Yeah. Um, one of the stories was, and this was highly speculated. This was not even proven at all that um, Lizzie was molested mm. by her father. Mm. That he came in and did stuff to her and all that stuff. Yeah. And Abby let it go, and that's why she hated Abby. Oh. So that's why she killed them. And it wasn't because no, uh, there was, she was mad about the money or whatever. No, there was no proof of that no, at all. There was no proof that he did anything to her, and yeah. it didn't come out in the trial right, or anything like that. It there was, was never a... The newspapers were frenzied at this point. Of course. This they... was the biggest case. It was the case of the century. Yeah. So a lot of rumors were coming out mm-hmm. at this time. And I think that messes an investigation up pretty bad, too. It does. Especially if you're looking back on it from, uh, like, the farther back stuff. A lot of stuff gets muddled and, and changed around and, and untrue things are, uh, are bounced around enough to where people think that they're true, you know. And media is king of that shit. Yeah, and modern day rumors are, and and uh, there's a fan th- a theory going around that uh, that yeah, Lizzie wanna... and Maggie, the uh-huh. maid, yeah, were in a lesbian relationship, and they both did kill them, and they both killed them together. But Abby found out, walked in on them, and she killed Abby and then her dad to cover it up. Uh, so that's just one of those uh, rumors theories or whatever yeah is there any theories i'm sure we'll get into it but i want to know if there are any theories of other people beside lizzie like there are several of theories of of how she did it or why she did it stuff like that i I get all those but i want to see if there are any theories about maybe like the maid having done it 
mm. um, or the doctor somehow, even though I don't really see how that would work. There are different but... suspects, and during the trial, they do bring them up. All right. But uh, also, the, when we get into the trial, it's going to be, uh, there's going to be some stuff in there that's going to be like, what the F? Yeah. Like, this would never happen nowadays and stuff. Yeah. And it is important to talk about, at this point in time, they did not do fingerprints. They didn't do any kind of blood evidence right. and all that stuff. Right. Um, as we're going to see in the trial, when they talk about blood, it's going to be like, these people are idiots. Yeah. This is not how it it's works. Not how it works at all. And, um, but no, like the fingerprinting in America didn't become common practice until 1911. Oh, wow. So it's 1892 kind of right now. Yeah. So that. Tw- almost 20 years a lot of later be circumstantial then yeah you, exactly it basically if they didn't find evidence. blood of or if they didn't find you covered in blood with the murder weapon you you had a get, yeah you got a, away with it yeah a really good chance of getting away with it yeah you would have had to you either had a witness or two that seen you or yeah. something like that not not no alibi to check out or some shit like that i don't know so um but uh basically and also the doctor did inform the police as soon as they got there that Lizzie was menstruating. Hmm. And the police were like, okay. Like, back then, women menstruating was really, really, a, like, men didn't talk about it. Yeah. It was like, sure. uh, they were, I guess, somewhat disgusted with it, but yeah. they just didn't talk about it. They were yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't care. And, uh, which is why. Uh, the pail and everything, as you're going to see later, is yeah. not going to come into the menstrual rags right. covered in blood. Aren't going to come up later. Yeah. They're not even going to be like, man. discuss it. Yeah. So, uh, with Lizzie coming up and Emma being out of town, if they're being, if they're so close to each other, mm-hmm. like if Lizzie did it, yeah. Wouldn't you think Emma would know? Probably. But it's kind of convenient that Emma goes out of town is the night that it happens. The day it happens, yeah, or the night before it happens, right? That is kind of convenient. But mm. like I said, so maybe Emma did it. <laughs> I don't know. Like with Lizzie, it's with this case, it's all signs are pointing to Lizzie. Yeah, but we're gonna see later that there's a lot of stuff that can't point to Lizzie. That there's no way she could have done it. Right. But there's also, she didn't help herself by burning the dress. Yeah. Uh, also, they found a handle that was uh, wrapped and put in the fire, the stove. Hmm. But it was a newspaper that was like, or it's a rolled up piece of newspaper. That's all they found. Oh. They think that she burned the handle, that she to had wrapped axe. it in the newspaper and then put it in there. But, but only the that. handle would have burned. Yeah. No. That makes no sense. No. So, newspaper didn't, but the handle, you know, whatever. So, uh, do you have anything uh, to add to Lizzie mm. Borden, her early life and the murders? Mm, uh, she definitely had a hard childhood uh, and, and early life in general. Um, I just say her dad is weird. You know, having that much money and then they still only have like one working cellar bathroom. Yeah. I don't know, but... Uh, no, I, I don't really have any kind of theories yet. Um, also, do you think need some that more information, uh, if the pigeon story was true, this dude was a bastard. Hmm. If the, if it was true, it's not. It's a rumor. Another rumor. Yeah. Obviously, um, but 
we are going to get into her um, her story uh, right now. Basically, we uh, when the police actually inquest her to talk. Yeah. So did you? Uh, so obviously, the mother, the stepmother, was pretty shitty. Was yeah, but she received eighteen. Hits. Yeah. So more and than the more dad than her did. father. Yeah. So definitely headed out for her in particular. Um, I don't know. I I can definitely see what her motive would be. Um, with stepmom being the way she is. Yeah. Uh, just a terrible person by the sounds of it. You know, she even refused to call the maid by her name because she, she refused did, to. Yeah. Didn't want to learn a new name. All right. Let's talk about the inquest. Yeah. So they, uh, Borden appeared at the inquest hearing on August 8th. Her request to have her family attorney present was refused under the state stature, providing that an inquest must be held in private. Mm-hmm. When she did not get a, she was not afforded a war, uh, a lawyer present during mm-hmm. questioning was a huge, I don't know if the Miranda, I don't think the Miranda rights no. were around at this no. time, but um, she had been prescribed regular doses of morphine to calm her nerves, as I stated before. Yeah. And it's possible that her testimony was affected by this. Yeah. It's more than likely. And she didn't have a lawyer presence, so she didn't have yeah. any kind of uh, filter between her and the nope. the questioners. Her behavior was erratic, and she often u- refused to answer a question, even if the answer would be beneficial to her. Mm. She often contradicted herself and provided alter- alternating accounts of the morning in question such as saying that she was in the kitchen reading a magazine where her father arrived home then saying she was in the dining room doing some ironing and then she <laughs> said she was coming down the stairs she also said she removed her father's boots put slippers on but while as we know, police photographs boots. clearly showed he was wearing his yeah. boots the district attorney was very aggressive and confrontational yeah on august 11th borden was served with a warrant of an arrest and jailed the inquest testimony, the basis of a modern debate regarding her guilt or innocence, mm-hmm. and was later ruled inadmissible at her trial in June 1893. Uh, newspaper articles noted that Borden possessed a stoic demeanor and a bit and bit her lips, flushed and bent toward Attorney Adams. Okay, so so she had yeah. like a thing for him, I guess. No, she was just. They back then appearances were everything. All right. So if you didn't act a certain way, like if she, so basically, it's a damned if you do, damn yeah. if you don't kind of thing. Yeah. If she acted like One way, she was torn up, she'd yeah. be like, oh, well, she's well, overacting. She's faking it. She's faking it. But if she acted like a Victoria woman was supposed to act, then she was being cold, cold and distant. And yeah, it doesn't make sense. Why does she not care more? Type deal. It was also reported that the testimony provided in the inquest had caused a change of opinion among her friends who have heretofore strongly maintained her innocence. So they started questioning. Yeah, she questioned if she did it or not. The inquest received a significant press attention nationwide, including an extensive three-page write-up in the Boston Globe. Hmm. A grand jury began hearing the evidence on November 7th, and and Borden was indicted on December 2nd. Mm. And that's where we'll pick up for part two of Sweet. Lizzie Borden. Yeah, that's interesting. I I obviously knew who Lizzie Borden was. I'd heard the, the you know, the 
rough story before uh, the the song that you hear when you're a kid, you mm-hmm. know, uh, all that kind of stuff. But I'd never really gotten a deep dive into it before. Um, well, did learn. you want to hear the rhyme? The what? Do you want to hear the rhyme? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, because every people, everyone who talks about Lizzie Borden have to say the rhyme. Right, right. And it's still prevalent in Fall River to this day. Yeah. They know this rhyme by art. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her father, or gave her, I've already messed it up. <laughs> Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she had seen what she had done, she gave her father 41. Yep. Uh, and the rhyme continues because that's that that first verse right there mm-hmm. is what most people say. Yeah. But that's... there is a other part of it. Well, let's hear it. Andrew Borden now is dead. Lizzie hit him on the head. Up in heaven he will sing. On the gallows she will swing. Oh, wow. So that's Pretty the second rhyme. part. Damn. It's the less well-known part of it, yeah, but that's yeah. the second part. Um, so basically... In reality, Borden's stepmother suffered eighteen, and he suffered fourteen. Yeah, but it so, just worked well for better for the rhyme and some yeah. more, you know. Um, if you guys want to, um, there's some awesome books out there about this. Um, also, there's a couple movies. Uh, the Simpsons did TV a shows, did a, a parody of it. Do a lot of them. Too. Um, yeah. So basically, if Lizzie Borden is probably one of the most famous women in America. When you say Lizzie Borden, everybody knows who she is. Yeah. Um, but my thing is, is she famous for the wrong reasons? Yeah. I mean, uh, more than a trial to see if she murdered them. She was, it was the first trial by media. Yeah. And like the, you have, uh, more recent ones like OJ's trial, uh, Casey Anthony. Yeah. Stuff like that too, to compare it to. And, yeah, because we've had several trials of the century in my lifetime, you know. But the difference between Lizzie Borden and Casey Anthony, Casey oh, yeah, Anthony, one hundred percent did it. Yeah, and I am confident <laughs> in that. And if we get sued, oh well. But she did it. Um, but we may talk about her later on the podcast. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, that was Lizzie Borden part one. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Lizzie Borden part two will be next week where we get into the trial, the acquittal, later life, and uh, some speculative theories about yeah. who we thought did it. Yeah, I want to get the the whole picture so I can start. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Some theories of my own. Uh, well, we'll see you guys next week for Lizzie, Bidden, Bo- Lizzie Borden part two. And after that, we're going to uh, we're gonna skip the creepypasta Um just because uh, I want to get into our next subject, and that's going to be Chernobyl. Yeah. And that's also going to be another two-parter because mm-hmm. there's a lot of information about that. Yeah. Um, so let us know what you thought of this. Uh, do you think Lizzie Borden did it with what we just talked about now? And how did she do it if she did do it? Yeah. Like, well, like obviously we know how she killed them, but I meant like how what she... If, what if she wrote a book if I did it? Like OJ did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. We appreciate it. And we will catch you later on next week's episode. And if you have any questions, comments, or you want to say who did it, leave us uh, this email us from that link below in the description. Or you can just email us at the Dartarian Show at gmail.com. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening.